The world has gone insane. Cosplayers rule the conventions. Gamers dominate the tabletop and the internet. Sci-fi subjugates the movies and fantasy rules the bookstore with an iron fist. Only one group can bring order to this unruly mob. A team of uber geeks, masters of the nerdly arts, trained for decades in the hobby shops and basements of the nation. Mobilized by the secret masters, they are the Department of Nerdly Affairs. Hello, operatives, and welcome to the Department of Nerdly Affairs. I'm your host, Rob Patterson, here with my co-host, Don Chisholm. Bleh, I want to suck your podcast. Wait, Don't that's... worry, Don. Our podcast already sucks. That's not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. I'll be here all night, folks. Uh, try the liver. Um, and make sure it's bloody good, because tonight we're talking about vampires. Specifically... The ones that suck blood, not the ones that, you know, suck emotions and uh, you get into relationships with and destroy your soul. No, we're going to talk about those on another show. This is the ones about actual bloodsuckers. Um, the ones who hail from Transylvania or parts unknown and then um, terrify young children in their sleep and um, adults sometimes too. And I'm just rambling, but whatever. <laughs> anyway, so Don, let's start as we usually do. I'm going to throw it to you and I'm going to ask you. What exactly is a vampire? Okay, now this is where I think people can 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 disagree, and I have a feeling during this episode you're going to get to hear me mispronounce a lot of non-English words. Go right ahead. <laughs> for, for this episode, we're going to talk about vampire in terms of a supernatural entity, usually undead, mm -hmm. which means it, it died and then came back from from death but not as a living thing as some kind of hideously like magically powered monster mm -hmm. that exists to feed off of the living right usually it's through the blood a lot of times that's kind of symbolic though mm -hmm. like they feed on your blood but they're not actually it, it's not that they feed on blood like we would eat a hamburger Mm -hmm. which is going to come up later on too. They, they're feeding on blood because blood is the carrier of life. Mm -hmm. And that's why for a long time, there was the idea that like a vampire couldn't feed on animals and, and live. Right. Because it needs that human life force. Okay. So it's got a little bit in common with the, uh, the Wendigo of Canadian mythology, which were supposed to be uh, humans that had become cannibals, basically, or kind of been possessed by an evil spirit, and they would go on to feed on other humans. But and that's their focus, right? Is just feeding on the life force of other uh, fellow humans. Yeah, of. yeah, and you can make the argument too that something like the Wendigo is a type of vampire. Yes, because what 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 we think of as vampires nowadays tends to be the uh the post bram stoker idea mm -hmm. that they're a foreign guy in a tuxedo that speaks with a heavy pseudo-romanian accent and 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 drinks your blood and steals your mm -hmm. girlfriend yeah but that's a relatively new concept and it's a relatively focused one because again if you go throughout history what vampires are and how they work does change and different areas have different versions and they, they, it's really, it's really complicated. So I think 
the post Stoker Dracula esque vampires what's going to come up the most? Yes, definitely. But the, yeah, there's other types. Um, My personal favorite is I'm trying to remember what it's called. Oh, I think it's called the Aswang. I think oh. if I, it's a, which is basically the Indonesian vampire, mm-hmm. and I think it's the I think it's the Aswang. It's either the Indonesian vampire or the Filipino vampire that basically is just a basically a flying head and it flies around and then if it catches you it sucks your guts out through your butt. Yeah, yeah, that's There's other ones that do that too. Oh, I was going to say people don't realize like you know the the kappa from Japan. Mhm. Little evil turtle guy has like a dented in head that has to keep water in it. Yes, yeah. The kappa are also vampires. Like there's a lot of Japanese legends that what they do is they suck the blood out through your butt. Mhm. Because the 1980s uh, Gegege no Kitaro cartoon has an episode where he fights a vampire, like like right. a, a kappa. Mm-hmm. And when it, it attacks people, you see them grabbing their ass and running away screaming. And, and I was early teens when I first saw this. And we were all like, why are they doing that? And then we looked it up and, oh, the actual legend is because they like wait till you're asleep and drink the blood out of your butt. Well, I always heard that it was actually... Uh, they would go to the outhouse during the night and the kappa would basically uh, lay in wait, you know, underneath the seat in the outhouse and mm-hmm. they would like, uh, and then they'd attack you from there. And uh, something along those lines, you know, you'd sit down to do your business and suddenly they'd be, ah! and it's, it's even worse <laughs> than having your neck attacked in a way. It is. And, and the thing is, this shows kind of the drift because I know, I think they're, they're still, it, again, I don't think it's widely believed, but mm. in Japan, there's also a specific evil spirit that lives in the outhouse and, and does that. It waits till you, till you're doing your business and then it like bites your ass or sucks you in and devours you whole but it bites you by the ass and yanks you into the and it's weird why are so many cultures have that (laughs) well because usually it's uh like kintaro the town pervert and he hides in uh miss hasako's uh latrine basically and waits for her and then they use that as an excuse but you know to cover up the fact that no it's just the local pervert oh I i was thinking it was you know like uh Kind of the explanation for, you know, the, the, the burning squirts. But I guess either way, it kind of works. <laughs> they didn't have Mexican food over there, dude. Well, they did in Mexico. Oh, okay. That's true. But you're right. There are an amazing amount of vampire-like creatures, where we want to call them vampires or not, that apparently do suck your organs or blood or whatever from your butt. It, it is amazing. Yeah. That is true. It, it seems to be mostly an Asia thing mostly you get some weird stuff like in africa also what surprises me is the number of vampires that are just a floating head and sometimes a a, uh, sometimes organs and or spine but that's all it is yeah because that's the again your pengallon is it pengallon or because i know there's extra syllables in it sometimes oh yeah i that's the german one if i remember right isn't it yeah there's there's a German mm-hmm. version that it's a head that pops off and the organs trail behind it. Yeah, yeah. Which is really, really bizarre when you think about it. It's like pop, it's like the head of a Japanese giant robot just suddenly pops off and detaches and goes flying around or something. Yeah. Um, there's true anime nerddom reference for you. Um, <laughs> but 
Yeah, is, is that who comes up with that crap? Really, I mean, it's just it is really bizarre. <laughs> well, you know, bodiless vampires that suck stuff out your butt. I mean, really. <laughs> I mean, it is the stuff of nightmares. I agree with that, but still. Especially when you think if it's like a disembodied head, where's what it's draining going? doesn't have a stomach. I guess that goes back to the whole idea of what you said earlier, where it's just supposed to represent your essence rather than your actual guts or whatever. But you're right. I mean, where does it go? Is this just an action it's doing out of instinct and impulse? Or does it actually get something from this? Yeah, it's... it's, Because it goes to that idea that in a lot of cases, something like a vampire is believed Mm -hmm. to have come about because it was like an an earlier society's way of explaining things. Yes. So vampires and vampirism were often uh, the explanation for disease. Yes, I can see that. And and that was where that comes out of... uh, I think that's especially... Sorry to interrupt. uh, You've got the Chinese ones. The Chinese hmm. hopping vampires, which are heavily about your breath. Like they yeah. will come in and they will steal people's breath, which is effectively stealing their souls and basically cause them to suffocate, which I suspect is how they explain people who you know had trouble breathing, like asthma or uh, people who died during the night mysteriously. They'd say that, you know, one of these uh, hopping vampires got them. Yeah, because that's the same thing with, uh... oh, what the hell are they called? In India, they have uh, it's a ghost mm-hmm. that it's it comes in the night and it sucks the life force out of babies and kills them. Right, and that a lot of people think came out because for for like SIDS for sudden infant death syndrome that they right. think that that was an early explanation. That there's no reason this baby just died. Well, it must have been a monster that did it. You know, interestingly enough, in a lot of Asian countries, they believe cats did it. Actually, like in the West, that, that too. Yeah, this is why a lot of Asians don't like cats. It's actually a part of their culture to that cats are evil, which mm-hmm. they are. But okay. um, besides <laughs> besides that, they really do believe that yeah, cats can uh, infect or suck babies' life force, basically, or suck their breath out. Um, now we know actually that cats carry oh, what is it? Uh, the Toxoplasmosis bacteria or parasites that can yeah. cause pregnant women to abort and can actually mess kids up as well. So there's some kind, there's a little bit of basis for it, but only if you they were to touch cat poop and ingest it or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's not, me. the cats are not really that supernaturally evil. They're just naturally evil. <laughs> True. I'm a dog lover, <laughs> folks, but anyone who listens to the show already knows what team I'm on. <laughs> but that, that ties in too with uh, mm-hmm. one of the ideas in the West. Yep. That it's a relatively new uh, occupation, maybe, hobby, mm-hmm. to, to break these things down specifically. Yes. Because when you mention the idea of cats, for mm-hmm. a long time in like Western and especially like European culture, when you look at your monsters, vampires, werewolves, and witches were all the same thing. Pretty much, yeah. And then cats would get lumped into that because, you know, the crazy cat lady was often thought to be a witch. So that mm-hmm. that was seen as, you know, if you had a house full of cats, that was seen as, you know, a symptom that you were possessed by the devil. Right. Well, you know, witches had weird supernatural powers. They could shape shift. And it would make sense that some people might believe that the witch could, like, suck your blood or steal your soul or whatever. And it all kind of lumps together. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and it's that idea that that would become the explanation for why bad things were happening. Mm-hmm. Bob yeah, the witch. Yeah, and and for a long time that that all got grouped together. So so like I say, the idea of of a vampire, mm-hmm. that it was a corpse that would come back and feed on the living, that came out of of this whole notion of witchcraft because it was believed that if somebody was like a black sorcerer. Mm-hmm. when they died, they'd come back to plague the living. That's what a vampire was. That makes sense. So almost uh, the later gaming concept of a lich, basically. Yeah, lich, lich is a different difficulty too because there's references to that even earlier in different cultures, especially I think like in Scandinavian that they talk about evil sorcerers that just will not die. Mm. And again, it it ties in that that whole idea that they're all kind of one big thing. Well, that because it, back in those days, they didn't really uh, classify them, or there wasn't really a taxonomy exactly. There were yeah. just local legends of weird, creepy people, or sorcerers, or monsters, or whatever. Hmm. And they didn't bother differentiating because it was all the the same they're all evil they all come from evil they're all of evil yep exactly but but yeah it's and you told these stories for many reasons i mean often they were told just to keep kids from wandering off in the woods where they could get into trouble yeah or don't go out at night because the evil sorcerer will get you. Well, no, it's more likely to be robber, robbers or Kintaro, the local pervert. But the thing <laughs> is, is that, that guy gets I'm going to use that for the rest of the night. <laughs> um, but in either case, it's a good warning. So therefore, it's like, yeah, there's a monster out there. Don't go out there, kid. Yeah. Plus, of course, occasionally there are monsters, but they were flesh and blood monsters as in local animals and wildlife. Uh, especially in some more remote regions, there are actually wolves in the in the forest, yeah, <laughs> and other animals that might get you. Yeah, and in the pre-gun era, you probably were not going to uh, come out in the victor in that kind of struggle. Probably not. No. So this is why being a hunter was a big deal, and why even old hunters used to travel in groups. They didn't travel alone. Yeah. So okay. So there we go. I think we've kind of covered that vampires kind of in general and as don mentioned earlier we're going to try to stick mostly to the bram stroker line of of uh, vampires i mean there are earlier vampire stories if we're going to talk pop culture there's of course the legendary varney the vampire Mm -hmm. which if i remember right is a semi-tragic figure like it was a tragic horror story if i remember right in the sense that he was more he was kind of cursed and viewed himself as cursed i don't i've never been able to read it because it's not easily accessible i don't think i've you know i haven't gone looking in a long time maybe it's, there's a copy on project gutenberg or something like that i should go look but you can, um, hmm? you can find it. i i read parts of like when i was a kid i read parts of it mm-hmm. but it was tough to track down a whole like a whole version uh for those who don't know uh varney the vampire i think they were coming out in the 1800s or was it the 1700s i'm trying to remember but it was a series of uh they called them penny dreadfuls these like uh penny novels basically they're it's basically like you're buying a chapter of a book in magazine form each week and you bought would buy these chapters and they would you know they have a double dozen pages or two dozen pages and it'd be the latest installment in these like soap operas and uh comedy stories and thrillers and detective stories and all this stuff 
most of it was pretty lurid because it was meant for the general population. They were they were called Penny Dreadfuls for a reason. They weren't well written generally. And one of the yeah. more famous ones was Varney the Vampire. Which was 1845. There we go, 1845. And uh, I'm sure they would be collected later on. Um, not a lot is known about him, but I believe it does predate Bram Stoker's Dracula. So it shows that that idea was kicking around before Dracula. But if I remember right, Varney is more of the uh, kind of shambling corpse type vampire, if I remember right. Like he's much, he's more animalistic. Like he's got a trace of intelligence, but he's a little more, uh, yeah, like if you saw him, you wouldn't exactly want to make out with him like Dracula. Let's put it that way. Yeah, he's, he's, um, cause Varney comes out around the same time as Dracula. It does? Okay. Yeah, there, there were, around that era, there were a number of, of what we'd consider vampire books. Mm-hmm. Dracula's the one that kind of sets the mold. It's actually not the, uh, not the, necessarily the first one of, of that ilk. Mm-hmm. But Varney, you're right, if I, as I do recall, he was more of a, uh, like a boogly monster. He was clearly a monster. Yes. And, but they would, like I said, he was portrayed as, as a, uh, as a semi-sympathetic character mm-hmm. that he was cursed and he does destroy himself at the end. Right. Uh, cause Dracula comes out and Dracula sets uh, here up. Here we go. Sorry. Oh. Here's just a, the plot concerns the troubles that Sir Francis Varney inflicts on the Bannerworths, a formerly wealthy family driven to ruin by the recently deceased father. Originally, the Bannerworths consist of Miss, Mrs. Banners, Bannerworth and her adult children, Henry, George, and Flora. Uh, George is never mentioned after the 36th chapter. A family friend, uh, Mr. Marchdale, lives with the Bannerworths in an early chapter. Later, Flora's fiancé, Holland, etc., um, hangs out with them. And yeah, from there, it basically is about him basically torturing this family and feeding on them, etc. Yeah. And uh, though exactly why he's connected to them is never exactly explained. Okay, sure, whatever. It is because it's it's again it's one of those ideas that uh, mm-hmm. back in in the day things like continuity and the like were not real big concerns. No, no, they they weren't concerns at all. By the way, Dracula would be eighteen ninety seven, so Dracula would actually be uh, a, almost fifty. Yeah, eighteen ninety seven. So almost fifty years later. Okay, because there was a there's a two more that stories that kind of come out in that time i isn't the one uh the one about elizabeth bathory is well, that from that period uh, sort of there there's uh uh carmilla oh carmilla yes that's the one i was thinking of yes carmilla yep and then there's one called the vampire i can't remember who did it i just read it oh okay good memory don yeah i know it's i i'm i i'm getting old so mm-hmm. <laughs> But it's it's also the idea because the uh, oh man I'm gonna have to look that up because mm-hmm. they both are leaning things towards the uh, the are they're both leaning things towards uh, what we would consider to be the 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 modern modern idea mm-hmm. of a vampire oh I think this is it. Short work of prose, John William Polidori. That's it. Okay. He wrote a story called The Vampire, and it's it's about this guy who meets uh, Lord Ruthven, 
Mm-hmm. And Lord Ruthven is this kind of like uh like rich guy. He's he's an arsehole. He uses his money to go around and mess with people. Mm-hmm. And it really does kind of establish that idea. This is published in 1819, so I think that even predates that predates, that predates Barney. Barney. Yeah. And it's it's a weird story because he's never explicitly described as like a supernatural entity. Like it's all written. Aubrey is this this young guy that's out to make his place in the world, and he falls in with Ruthven, and it's all written from Aubrey's point of view. Mm-hmm. So he he thinks of 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 Ruthven as as like just a horrible horrible right. man, even though he displays a lot of different abilities. Right. Nothing super overt. In the end, he uh, he ends up uh, he ends up killing Aubrey's sister. And mm-hmm. she's found drained of blood, and that's kind of the first really sort of strong indication you get that this guy is some kind of supernatural monster. Right. Although it's alluded to that he seems older than he is, and that and that's kind of it sets up that idea of uh, of the the vampire as suave foreigner. Which mm-hmm. is one of the things that, that Dracula kind of uh kind of like solidifies yeah it sounds it sounds like dracula is very strongly yeah and and i i could see it the idea that if bram stoker read it he would play up the supernatural element of that kind of story it's not enough that i would say that he ripped them off but it's definitely something he'd say i like the way that came out i'd like to do something like that but a little Mm -hmm. different makes sense Okay, and uh, Carmela, which you referenced, of course, came out in 1871. It also yeah. predates Dracula, um, but it postdates Barney the Vampire. It looks like there was basically one major vampire book like every couple decades or something like that during the I 1800s. Think, I think there were more. Oh, I'm, I guarantee you there were more. These are the ones yeah. that we just remember. There are probably a whole bunch of them popping up here and there. And what we're seeing is we're just seeing the ones that's kind of survived. Because mm. most of them were just you know, pulp paper stories, basically, that popped up, were read, and then disappeared and weren't even recorded yeah. for the most part. Um, for those who want to know, Carmela is basically about this uh, guy who brings home a young girl, uh, like his his uh, friend's daughter, if I remember right. The friend has died, distant friend, and they bring home the daughter. And, sure, and so, and the daughter's basically becomes friends with uh this guy's daughter okay this this uh this girl Carm- uh, what's her name her name is uh Mercala, if i remember right and she basically mm-hmm. yeah Mercala. and she basically comes you know she becomes part of the household but then weird things start happening and we eventually discover that uh, mm-hmm. no she's a vampire <laughs> she's she's a vampire and she seduces uh the count's daughter and um yeah, it's there. There's, uh, it's, uh, yeah. There's a lot mm-hmm. of lesbianism. She's kind of the first example of the lesbian vampire character, and there's a whole bunch of like uh, views of homosexuality in that. The idea of homosexuality is like these women steal into your home and like steal your daughters and everything like that and steal their chastity. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of what it is, basically. It's it's that uh, kind of allegory. But yeah, Carmel is absolutely yeah. a vampire. Yeah. It's- it it highlights that idea that the one thing that uh comes to a peak with Dracula that's mm-hmm. kind of subsumed in that there's two cl- 
traits of what a modern person thinks of mm-hmm. as a vampire. And that's right. that vampires were seen up until fairly recently, if if not still, they kind of embodied this idea of like the the evil foreigner. But they weren't like mm-hmm. the the horrible like murderous vile criminal for, foreigners that came in and you know they're rapists they're drug dealers they're they're not that kind of evil foreigner <laughs> they were kind of like right. the high-end person that came in and used their influence to like collapse your business and take all your money and steal your wife and girlfriend kind of thing and that's yeah, what the yeah. vampire came to that and then a lot of people think that vampires came to embody stds Okay. Because while these, well, it's How the idea so? that that while these suave foreign types were stealing your women, they would like wither and die because they're feeding on them. And it was thought right, yeah. that that was kind of an allegory for 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 STDs. That it was these weird mm. foreigners that were coming in and right. and you know infecting our good people with their weird foreignness. Even if that foreignness was that they're an yeah. extra dimensional horror monster. It's interesting how many human things really actually do come down to disease or filth, or we've got that idea that the other is dirty or unclean. And that's actually a pretty strong running theme in human society. It is because it's that idea that uh, for a long time, we didn't have a lot of observable fact. Like even the ancient Mm -hmm. Greeks are touted as like the creators of the foundation of science. And they really were. But they got so much wrong mm-hmm. because they didn't believe in observation. It was believed that some things were just true just because they were, because that's how it is. Famously, Aristotle mm-hmm. saying that women have fewer teeth than men. He'd never think to count them. That would be icky. It was just because they were obviously like our physical right. inferior, so they'd have less teeth, right? They don't have to eat as much, I guess. And He's never met an Asian <laughs> woman, that's for sure. <laughs> Your wife is not home at the moment, is she? <laughs> No, she's 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 downstairs exercising or whatever. But no, it's just a running Asian cultural joke that the women are tiny, but they can eat an elephant, <laughs> right? <laughs> and they do. Trust me, they do. They it's it's amazing how much they they can eat despite their size. <laughs> um, if if they're if you go on a date with one and they're not eating much, it's because they're trying to lull you in in because once you actually get involved with them, you discover how much they actually do eat, and it's it, scary. And see, that's what happens: the suave foreigner comes in, and then they just sort of like drain you and by feeding on you. That's exactly <laughs> right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, actually, there's a great video. Just complete side note: I recommend. You can find it on YouTube, and I'm trying to remember the details, but basically, it amounts to this: where they. Um, there's these two Japanese women that are basically champion eaters. And so they set these two Japanese celebrities up on a double date with mm-hmm. them. And the, like, these are not high end rich celebrities, but they're kind of, you know, just like mid-level singer guys or whatever. So they don't have, and then the girls proceed and you watch them from the hidden cameras. The girls proceed to polish off like 20 plates each of expensive <laughs> food. And they're just packing it in and they're not that big. These girls are not that big. It's 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 horrifying. And the one guy gets so scared, he says he's going to the bathroom and then runs away. Because he's so terrified by this woman and, and the idea of having to pay the bill for what she just ate. He's just like, I'm out of here. 
And when it's and the and the film crew discovers that he's run off, and so they have to call him back, and he has to actually he's on the subway, so he has to take a cab back, and then face the film crew and everything as this guy who ditched his date because she ate too much. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic! But yeah, look up Japanese champion eaters on, and you'll discover that these tiny little Japanese women, and you can and they can eat astounding amounts. But I'm not saying all Asian women are like that, but it's a running cultural joke in a lot of many Asian countries about the girl who just eats everything when you're not mm. looking. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Wow. Um, so, but hopefully she doesn't eat your dog. That's, that's, that's the important thing. Um, or family members, in which case she's mm -hmm. a vampire, folks. She's a vampire. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, there's, there's that idea of that, you know, the foreigners represent, I guess, you know, there's stories that represent that inherent fear we have of foreigners, of other the other coming to us and bring disease or bad ideas and or disruptive things with them. Yeah, because right? tradition used to play a huge part in society, and nobody realized how homeostasis worked. And that's what you mm -hmm. would see is people would just know sometimes when visitors from far off lands would show up, they'd bring disease in it, and they would because they would have different immunities because they grew up in exactly. a different region. And then that, that would carry over and people couldn't, we, well, we oddly enough had a germ based theory of illness going way back to ancient times, but it was generally discredited. And mm -hmm. because of that, we didn't have a real good model for what exactly is happening. So it was just believed that there was something inherent to the foreign in and of itself that would infect your good society yeah. and then cause hardship in that because it might just be something that these foreign people radiated or their presence offended the gods or, you know, they, they, they shook with their mm -hmm. left hand instead of their right. So of course that means they're evil. And now they've cursed our village. And that's where all of this idea and these ideas of monsters and that came from. It was trying to explain why things would go sideways and often, what stood out was the new component that had been added to to our our situation. Mm -hmm. Which is that evil foreigner. So yeah, yep. Sorry, it's the He's same thing go. that that we we're still subject to. We've talked about that before. How moral panics arise mm -hmm. usually over the new way the kids are having fun because it's that yeah. something weird and different we don't understand. So we want to decry it, and then. Once we start down that road, once we fully accept that, no, heavy metal is turning our kids into evil bastards, then we can lump everything else we don't like onto it, and then you get like a full-blown panic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. So, yeah, so in a lot of ways, vampires represent that. I mean, I, you mentioned STDs earlier. Uh, they represent sexuality in many well, different unbridled ways. unbridled sexuality. Again, the idea of you know, men uh, stealing women's precious, you know, life, stealing the precious lifeblood of virgins can be taken in mm -hmm. many different ways. Yeah, and then, because again, that would be, uh, it sounds so weird now, but remember, like, you would use your your kids, you'd, you'd trade them off with other families and that to, to gain status and mm -hmm. such. So, like your daughter's virginity was literally a commodity. It was something that you could sell yep. to like her new husband to connect your two families and 
all that kind of stuff. Yep. So it's so it, yeah, it was that. And then it, again, it goes with that idea that the foreigner is coming here and using their weird powers and that to take away like your 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 property and that. Like ruination mm -hmm. is something mm -hmm. that you see in a lot of, especially like the eighteen hundreds kind of vampire stories that the vampire yeah, yeah. brings. It doesn't just drain your soul and take your wife. He also like collapses your fortunes and sullies your good name. Yeah, and we can see that in all the vampire stories. We have uh, families being stories from the eighteen hundreds are all involve uh, families being stories from the eighteen hundreds are all involve uh, families mm -hmm. being yeah. destroyed, right? And so, and you could probably make an argument that that continues kind of until today. I mean, it depends. But anyway, so mm -hmm. we might as well start moving on. Um, so that's the, how vampires were back then. Um, and then Dracula came in and basically set the yeah. new standard. I mean, he it, you know, every vampire after Dracula pretty much is Dracula or variant thereof or influenced yeah, by think it anyway. There's a catch that happens fairly soon because dracula's kind of like it all comes to a head that all of these ideas mm. that have been floating around bram stoker pulls them together into one cohesive whole and then that becomes the template right. and that lasts mm. for a for for a long time vampire stories they kind of seem to die out near the end of the like the victorian age well, remember he wrote it in eighteen yeah uh, ninety seven. So there's only three. There's only a couple of years left before we get yeah. to the twentieth century. And now, mind you, there will still be I think three decades before. Uh, oh no, 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 mm -hmm. no. There's not. Sorry, I was going to say before the Dracula movie is filmed. But actually, there's a catch. There's right. of course Nosferatu. And Nosferatu is a bootleg version of Dracula, bootleg German version of Dracula, um, that it comes out in... Like 1922, was it? 1922, okay. you are correct, sir. Yeah. And, of course, Count Orlock, <laughs> nudge, nudge, wink, wink, um, comes from his Transylvanian house, and it, it's Dracula. They don't even really hide it. In fact, that's what got them into trouble, actually, is the fact that they barely yeah. hide it well, at it's... all. Oh, go ahead. And... Uh, and sorry, and so that's 20 years after the yeah, original novel came Dracula, out. it's Dracula, but Dracula himself is closer to Verne. Okay. Well, because Count Why Orlok, he's hideous. He's he's rat-like. Yes, he's obviously true. a monster, and that was more Verne. Whereas in the Dracula mm, stories, true. people would meet Dracula and not know that he was a monster. He was this, like, suave, dashing-looking guy. Yeah. yeah. Interesting note, of course, is that in the original book, Dracula yeah. can go out in the daytime. He can he can wander around in the sun. He just, if I remember right, has no powers during the daytime. Like his powers are powers of the night, so his superhuman abilities don't generally kick in until he's uh, until yeah. Night first, falls. you know, if I remember, it's just that he never does anything weird during the day. But it's never mm -hmm. thoroughly explained whether or not he he can it just because right. that 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 again too goes back to the uh like a hundred years to the legends of like vampires and werewolves that the idea was that a witch could also petition mm -hmm. at the sabbat to to gain powers and they would turn into a vampire or a werewolf but the powers only lasted right. as long as the sun was down when when dawn broke they'd lose their abilities and become mortals again 
Mm-hmm. I could see it. I could definitely see it. So, okay, so we have Dracula, and here there's our suave vampire who will eventually be uh, immortalized, of course, twice. by Bella Lugosi in the... Yes, twice. Well, are you counting Abbott and no, Stella um, being Dracula? The Universal Monster one, they got Lugosi because mm-hmm. he was... There was a popular stage play a few years earlier. Right. And that oh, was, right. He was he was playing yes. so he was already like famous as Dracula when they hired him for the film. Oh, that's right. I keep mm-hmm. forgetting about that. Yes, I forgot to say. Yeah, because that's another one of those lost historical things that unless you're like a hardcore fan, you've never heard of it. Right, and it was super oh. popular. Yeah, because that was what made them um, want to make the movie. Because mm-hmm. right, which would of course yep. come out in nineteen, which isn't very long after the book. So what happens is. Stoker Light writes Dracula and he basically wins the vampire game. So other people kind yes. of bow out. The uh the Count Orlock Nosferatu there. It comes out. Mm-hmm. It's really popular, but it gets stepped on in a hurry. The official yeah. play comes out. Universal makes uh Dr- Dracula the movie is the first of the Universal Monsters. And they were really mm-hmm. leery about doing it because they didn't think that something so far out and crazy would be popular. It was, as I understand mm-hmm. it, it was only because of that play that they were willing right. to take that chance. Because that was an expensive movie for the time. Like the effects budget mm-hmm. must have been in the tens of thousands. Like it's just astounding. And again, too, it was a special effects picture and people weren't sure how that would go over. Like, the idea was right. that you had effects pictures before, but they were spectacular. It's like nowadays, if you're going to do an Avengers movie, you'll have just enough plot and character to get people invested. And then it's giant CGI fight scenes. Like, that was how they made right. film back in the earliest days of film. If I was going to do, like, a crazy sci-fi movie, I'm going to focus on all the crazy sci-fi-ness. Whereas Dracula, was, okay. it was a drama that happened to have a monster in the middle of it. And they really were iffy on doing that. Mm-hmm. Well, but it did because what we think of as a vampire is, is, is the Bela Lugosi Dracula. Yeah, yeah, that's that's mm. he becomes the standard, at least in North America. I think in a lot of places, like even in Europe, like the Lugosi Dracula becomes the vampire to the point that a lot of the older like European legends and that kind of go by the wayside afterwards. Okay, okay, that's true. Okay, I was was going to argue that actually uh, the Hammer Dracula, Christopher Lee, eventually becomes like the dominant Dracula. He does, but he's clearly Christopher Lee doing the Lugosi Dracula. Uh, Okay, okay. Is he wearing a tuxedo and a cape? He's the Lugosi Dracula. Like that. Like that. That's why vampires wear tuxedos and capes. Is because of the Lugosi Dracula. And that's the standard. Like for for ever since I was like a kid, a vampire had a tuxedo and a widow's peak and he went bleh, bleh. Because, which Lugosi never did. But I mean, that comes, that comes up later for Mm -hmm. some reason. I, you know what it is? I suspect we can blame the horror Ah, host for that. The horror hosts, you know, because some of them became uh, Dracula or, you know, vampire parodies. And I think that somewhere on the line, it was the horror host that did the whole blah, blah, blah thing. Because, again, they were trying to be bad, cheesy, over-the-top vampire right. characters. Makes sense. 
If anyone knows any different, please write in, uh, come to ObeyTheDNA.com and uh, leave a comment or on the show and uh, let us know if we're wrong. But mm. that's my bad. That basically yep. just becomes the standard, right? I mean, after that, I would argue that vampires, for the most part, will stay Dracula for a long time. Now, they do eventually shift, but even, like, as you said, Christopher Lee became the Dracula of the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And yep. But he's still Lugosi. You're right. He is still ultimately doing a variation of Lugosi. You will see a few other characters like takes again mostly on dracula pop up but in the end if you see a halloween vampire he's yep. still bella lugosi so that that idea is still just too connected it's, and, it's absolutely and even there. when you get into say going into the 80s and that the imagery changes mm -hmm. he doesn't wear a tuxedo anymore but if you look at something like say fright night or the lost boys in a lot of ways it's still the lugosi dracula dressed up for the modern era I yeah, think the first is. popular vampire that you see that isn't Lugosi mm -hmm. is uh, the thing from another world. Oh, interesting. You consider that a vampire. That's very true. Although that's, oh, that, that's uh -huh. kind of messed up, though, because the original story who goes there, I don't know if it feeds on blood. What they do is the movie The Thing from Another World is a really, they almost, they take that alien story from who he from which will later become the thing of course for those who are not familiar with it but they, they take that character and they make the thing from another world where it, you're right it is effectively this alien vampire basically that's terrorizing this arctic research thing but the in the book it's, it's or sorry short story it's nothing like that at all it's completely different it's closer to the one from yeah. john carpenter's version but the the movie one is is again it, it feeds on blood and yep. well not okay, just that but yeah, he also right. takes a semblance of human form and then that's that's what the vampire being undead does it reanimates mm. the the body so that it's it's not human but it it looks human mm -hmm. okay mm -hmm. i could buy that so that's the alien vampire which you do see pop yep. up from and, time and to even time. then they tend to be because i'm thinking of uh a planet of blood Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I was Which thinking is, of that one too. Kind yeah, kind of the same idea. There's uh oh, there's what the hell is it called? It's the the Zsa Zsa Gabor one, Queen of of something, and it it's another like alien okay. vampire thing. But again, typically when you meet the alien vampires, they're the suave commander types. They're 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 the sci-fi variants of of Dracula again, for the most part. Yeah, the, the only true. one really That's different true. was uh, I Am Legend. And I think I Am Legend is kind of the beginning of what I refer to as the feral vampire, yeah. like which is which is almost uh, the vampire slash yeah. zombie hybrid, but they act almost more like a zombie in some ways, like an intelligent yeah, fast zombie. That makes sense. At least that's the first one I can think of offhand, and I've, I mean there have been lots of variations since. But uh, I Am Legend seems to be. Although there's a catch, though. In I Am Legend, the original mm -hmm. novella, I think it is, they actually do end up becoming civilized and forming a society because yeah. that's the point of I Am Legend. That by at the end of the story, the vampires have created a new society and the main character is this last surviving human and yeah. he's the monster. He's the boogeyman that hunts them while they're while they're just trying to go about their lives yeah because that's uh the first movie version uh the last man on earth 
it kind of plays yeah. into that and they're they're more yeah they're 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 kind of in the movie you're not exactly sure what the monsters are you know they're they're, they're closer to intelligent zombies mm. well in the oh was it uh, mm. the omega man that version which is yeah. the second version i believe that and they're definitely intelligent zombies in that one more 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 like intelligent zombies and then that goes even further in the will smith i am legend version where they're absolutely intelligent zombies. yeah i think basically. there's a reference in uh last man on earth and uh and omega man to them mm-hmm. that they f- they they did feed on people that they did feed on on the the, yeah. the blood because i distinctly remember reading reviews of both films that refer to them as vampires yeah, they're pretty clear that they're. they're yeah, I think you're vampires. right too, because uh, I think in the book that they are closer to what we would think of as a zombie, but it's that idea of drift. And I do think that yeah, because the in the book and even the 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 movies kind of the idea was that the infection didn't get you right away, and the monstrous mm-hmm. ones that you were seeing were the last stages. But what the main character didn't realize is that their personalities did still stabilize. Yeah. That right, they, eventually. They, well, he never saw it because he was busy just murdering them. Yeah, well, there's but there that. was that yeah, idea exactly. that when he wasn't around, they were actually like sentient beings with a sense of self and society and all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's mm-hmm. what happened there. You know, the next time I think of, again, there are probably other examples of this in comics and such, but I it, when you get to the feral vampires, when you get to mm. uh, Blade... The original yeah. Marvel comics, he's fighting what are basically feral vampires most yeah. of the time. Like they they usually have like a pack leader type character, but for the most part, it's him versus like these uh, vampire hordes basically that are like rushing at him. Yeah, I, I think I think it's kind of alluded to even in Dracula mm-hmm. that Dracula's brides right. at the beginning. They 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 kind of trucks that line like they're not independent they are more they do get that feeling of more animalistic but you don't quite get that idea that they're of like subhuman intelligence so i guess you're right there has always been that idea of the vampire as there's the subhuman version and then there's the the leader which is of course the suave you know uh i I think you're right that that's that idea of the truly feral vampire doesn't it's ironic it doesn't come up until later except that when you go say pre-dracula in in the history mm. of of like vampiric legends that's the more dominant one for a long time yeah that that the vampire is an animalistic predator or an animal because you get things like the uh, stridge from the ancient greeks that are literally birds that drink your blood that's okay and, that's an interesting take on it huh? the lamia same thing lamia they were half half woman half animal and they fit and the uh Oh, the Daughters of Lilith. I can't remember what the hell they were called, though. The Daughters of Lilith. Oh, I know what you're talking about. But, yeah, there's... Because uh, it's, it's, it's more... It, it it comes out of the, the Middle East. Because it's... For, for anybody listening, mm-hmm. the idea was that there were parts of of the, the Bible and what would become the Bible that got edited out over time. And one of the stories yep. is that Eve wasn't Adam's first wife that Lilith was. But the thing was, mm. Adam turned her down because she was too willful because God made her the same way he made him. And that was why Eve was yes. made of Adam to be subservient. But Lilith didn't die. 
she she was chased off and she became like a, a demon and her her children were vampires i think mm-hmm. some places the the lamia they say are actually the the children are you talking about uh you're not talking about the yeah, Lilum, aren't they there's another like name the, for them too though uh there's the Lilum, there's the lilu yeah because there's there's here. a lot what ends up happening um, again because of the the drift hmm. there's a lot of older legends that get pulled into right. that as time goes on because again we're looking for mm-hmm. explanations, but we don't have observations. So we just, oh, well, this just must be this then, because they're pretty close. So we'll just say that was always, because there was, everywhere had their, their 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 vampire legends, even like the Middle East has tons of them. And then when mm-hmm. you got the, uh, the, the Hebrew story of the creation, they would just start reading some of that older stuff in. And I think that was where this idea of like the daughters of love kind of comes from. But but they mm. were the same thing as as the uh, the 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 things from India that it was believed they fed on children. Are you talking about the Empuse? Uh, the Empuse were a class of supernatural demons that Lamia was sa- oh, sent to yeah. avert. Uh, Hecate would often send them against travelers. They consumed or scared to death any of the people where they inhabited. Yeah, um, they're very similar to Lilum, and they believe to and the idea of succubi is later believed to have derived from them. Yeah, that's like the Roman version. Yeah, yeah, the typical yeah. Roman version. You're right. Yeah, and that's like I say. I think yeah, it is. It is that. It's it. They all mishmash together. But yeah, the idea was that up until Bram Stoker, vampires generally were considered to be animalistic predators. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. they like they bought tuxedos and became like respectable. And then I thought we weren't up to the White Wolf era yet. <laughs> oh no, that's when they become whiny. Oh, right. Yes. Okay. Valid point. Valid point. That's the 70s, the 80s thing. Yeah, exactly. So, well, we might as well move on then. Um, I Because I would say that vampires transform somewhere in the, like, the late 70s, early 80s. Vampires have kind of a bit of a renaissance. Right. And they kind of transform a little bit. So we start getting... In like I think it's eighty two, we get Salem's Lot by Stephen King, mm-hmm. um, but we also get uh, in early in the early mid eighties we get Fright Night as well. It would be mid eighties. Yeah, like we start to see modern takes on the vampire. Yeah, and people start experimenting with vampires. We'll also in the eighties we'll get Lost Boys as well, mm-hmm. which is uh, another interesting take on vampires, which is not quite Dracula and not quite feral either. Yeah. Uh, the Lost Boys are a little bit feral, but there is that still idea there, but they're still much more human, shall we say, than and, and thinking than the others are. And uh, so we'll start to see more and more takes. Uh, I'm trying to remember when the Vampire Lestat comes out. That's eighties. Yeah, it like is. What well, is the eighties? Yeah, I think early, and that also transforms a lot of people's ideas of vampires as well. And that's where they become, well, as you just said, whiny, basically. <laughs> yeah. Because there's two books that come out, uh, I think one is late 70s, one is the 80s, and, and one of mm-hmm. them is like the Vampire Lestat. Yeah. And that's Anne Rice. Mm-hmm. And that becomes the prototype for, oh, my tortured soul, her, her, vampire. Yep. And the other one that comes out that you find a lot of people who ended up becoming like horror authors in that love, but normal people never heard of, was, uh, I think it was the Van Helsing tapes. I've heard of them, but I've never, yeah, I've never read them. Okay. It's it's a reporter interviewing Dracula, and it's the story of the book from Dracula's point of view. 
Okay. And he's explaining that, no, he, yeah, okay, he has some problems, but Van Helsing was the real villain. Okay. That he, he was a wacko mad scientist obsessed with this idea of transfusions of his kind of thing. Because mm-hmm. what those two stories did is they kind of borrow from the I Am Legend thing and they humanize the vampire. Yeah. That they present the vampire as vampirism is kind of more of an affliction. Mm-hmm. Than a curse or a a just reward for a lifetime of evil. Right. And you get that idea of of the vampire as a person. Right. Now, is that also where, to some degree, the idea of vampirism as almost a disease comes from as well? Or do you think that came around earlier? It comes earlier. Hmm. Because we mentioned I Am Legend, and in I Am Legend, it's, it's a disease. Oh, that's true. Okay, yeah, good point. And I think there's others. I think there's like 50s and 60s movies mm-hmm. that have that idea that somebody gets... Because it, it, it comes from the idea, again, which witches, vampires, and werewolves back in like the Middle Ages that were all the exact same thing. Yeah, you've mentioned that. Yeah, and what you get, that idea creep back in sideways because if you remember in the, like the, the 1900s, mm-hmm. the idea of uh, the lycanthrope as a disease or an infection takes hold. Mm-hmm. And that was where the idea where if it bites you, because again, when you get to like the late 1800s going into the 1900s, the, uh, the germ theory of disease becomes accepted. Mm-hmm. And part of that is this new notion combining like this brave new science with old legends is that idea that werewolves are, are an illness that gets passed along. Mm-hmm. And I think that becomes explicit, but out of that, I think you start seeing the idea that vampirism works the same way. Mm-hmm. And it's because for so long the two are intertwined, and then that idea flows in. And yeah, I think I think you're right. When you do get to the, the late 60s, going into the 70s, that idea really kind of becomes a thing. I think it does. There are probably it versions of it that enter pop culture that we're not either aware of or not thinking of. I suspect it. Yeah, it probably, flo- it, but it floats in from somewhere, definitely. Yeah. Again, if uh, you're a horror expert and you're listening to this and this is driving you crazy, feel free to <laughs> drop by obeythedna dot com and leave a comment in in our show notes. Yeah, because because when you get that humanized vampire. Mm-hmm. Another reason I think that idea of vampirism as a disease kind of kicks in is because when you humanize them, there are lots of stories about trying to cure them. Yes, it becomes about cure. And what do we cure? We cure diseases. Yeah. Or at least coming up with a way to mitigate it so they can live like normal lives. Because mm-hmm. that was like the first issue of uh, the Dr. Spectre comic. Okay. Was all of the with the vampire. He might have been Count Orlock in that too. But that he runs into this like evil Dracula esque vampire who he finds out isn't evil and they come up with a uh with a concoction that'll satiate his hunger. So he mm-hmm. he can he doesn't have to kill people. Oh, okay, yeah, that's pretty good. Um that would become later on they would use that in uh, True Blood. Yeah. That series was on HBO based on a novel series. And uh, that, that's the idea there that vampires are now part of society because true blood is this concoction that the vampires can drink and they're just like everyone else now. Yeah, but sexier and with powers. 
But sex, well, yeah, exactly. But they're sexy, and yeah, they have superpowers and don't age and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it's it's a vampire soap opera, and and that's eventually, of course, what we will get actual vampire soap operas. Well, we get them before um, that. Oh yeah, because we get uh, Dark Shadows. Yep, that's true. Which I think is in the nineteen sixties, isn't it? Yep, and that was another one that Barnabas Collins was kind of just supposed to be like a walk on part. But everyone loved him, so there we go. Yeah, and as I recall, the show wasn't doing that well until he shows up really early on. He's, he's, I think, like within the first ten episodes for sure. Mm-hmm. And then that, yeah, that became the 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 focus. Right. That's true. Although, again, he's still basically Lugosi. He's just a kind of um, more tortured, charming version of Lugosi. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's sympathetic. I I think yeah. too that was one of the things that you mentioned, like the Christopher Lee Dracula. Mm-hmm. That I think he did add was that he's playing the Lugosi Dracula, but he's trying to human him up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like he's clearly evil, but he adds kind of like that personal touch to his being evil that. He feels kind of more like your asshole boss than just some supernatural monster. Like you, you can relate. Right. You can relate to the, whereas Lugosi's kind of aloof. Mm-hmm. That's why he he like you don't necessarily realize it that he's charming and mysterious, but the Lugosi Dracula has a touch of like autism about him. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's supposed to represent the fact that he's not fully in our world. And it's stuff yeah. like if you're somebody's talking to him and a wolf howls and it's that famous the children of the night what beautiful music they make and he just does that out of the blue like he hears a wolf yeah he holds up his hand to shut the guy up and listens to him because it's that idea that he's not fully of our world right makes sense he's coming off of olympus to fuck with us and then he he goes right back when we're no longer interesting Mm. whereas the christopher lee dracula was he was always in the scene. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's again, leading towards that humanizing him. Mm. Well, humanized characters are more interesting than uh, forces of nature or these demigod like beings that we can't really connect with or relate to. Right. Yeah. That's a good way of looking at it. So I think they kind of had to do that with the vampires eventually. And, and that's what we'd see. And now now they're humanized to the point where, yeah, we have modern vampire soap operas like the Vampire Diaries or True Blood or whatever, where, yeah, they're just vampire soap operas. Like, they're just people, really. They just have extra concerns. Like, they have to drink blood occasionally and deal with, like, supernatural crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that, yeah. mm-hmm. that comes out of, like, the 80s one. Right. Because the 80s sympathetic vampire becomes cool. Mm-hmm. And then that leads to like the, the, by the late eighties, you've got the full on emo vampire where it's basically a superhero that gives them a power that lets them bitch about having powers. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Cause the first example I can think of that was a uh, Nick Knight. Yeah. Oh yeah. I remember Nick Knight. And he was a vampire who wasn't because he didn't once a season, they do the episode where he, his like bestial nature would start to 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 take advantage of him and he'd have to like avoid his friends and blah 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 but most of the time it it didn't matter he just had these like cool powers and a mysterious backstory um quick note the original uh pilot for the story 
with uh, Rick Springfield as the title character was called Nick Knight. Mm-hmm. But when it actually became a TV series, it was done up in Toronto, Canada, and it was called Forever Knight. Yeah, because I just Nick Knight was the character, as I recall. Yeah, he's he's called Nick, but I don't know if he's actually Nick Knight in the Canadian version. But it's 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 yeah, it's the same story. It's literally mm-hmm. the same story. They just the American one never got past the pilot stage, yeah. whereas the Canadian one ran for like four or five seasons and was super popular. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, the idea of the vampire cop. I mean, I'm sure in Marvel Comics by then they probably had a couple versions of characters like that actually. Um, yeah, because they're more because they went through that uh, vampire thing back in the 70s where vampires were everywhere for a while in the 70s and early 80s in Marvel Comics. They were all over in a lot of them, because if you remember, too, that was the same time of uh, when Warren did mm-hmm. the uh, the Vampirella comic. Yes, that's true. Yeah, Vampirella. Vampy. Although they um, they cribbed a little bit from uh, from the uh, Tomb of Dracula from Marvel, though. Just a little. Yeah, because when, when Vampirella starts, it's an anthology book and she's the Crypt Keeper. She, like, hosts it. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. And they do give her an origin story that she comes from a planet where instead of, of like, water, they have what's essentially blood. Mm-hmm. And these astronauts land and she discovers, oh, this tastes even better than the other stuff and then comes to our world. Oh, okay. Yeah, I did know she was an alien. I remember yeah. I did read that somewhere. Yeah. And then at a certain point, again, I think, because Marvel did, Tomb of Dracula is the most popular, but they did a bunch of like horror magazines. Mm-hmm. And in the Vampirella one, at a certain point, she takes over as the main character. It, it, again, it's fairly early on. I think it's around like issue 20 or 30. Mm-hmm. And it starts following that story and they introduce Dracula as a character and it's semi-reminiscent of the uh, Marvel one. Mm-hmm. The Marvel one you can tell because he has a mustache. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's that story that he's kind of, the Marvel Tomb of Dracula, he kind of fluctuates between, like, reluctant hero and villain. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of what the Warren one was. Mm-hmm. Except the, the Warren one clearly loses the struggle at one point. And just goes flat out villain. Yeah, because he meets this ancient sun goddess who's trying to help him. Mm-hmm. And she's killed by a, a bunch of humans. I can't remember the exact circumstances. I think they were like trying to figure out the source of her power because she was kind of almost like a superhero. Mm-hmm. And when she died, he just totally lost his shit. And that was the end of that. And then he was like a hard on villain kind of guy. Right. Hmm. Okay. Whereas, yeah, the Marvel one fluctuated, and at one point he eats a hamburger. There it is, callback. <laughs> oh, yeah, I knew you were going to reference that. Yep. The Marvel one eats a hamburger. Yeah. <laughs> is that a big deal? Yeah, well, yeah, because it, it is, it's a sidewaysedly one, and we'll have to link, Stupid Comics does a really good summation of it. Right. In the, the Tomb of Dracula, he gets turned human at one point. Ah, Okay. And he's trying to figure out, he's getting hungry and doesn't know how it works. So he ends up going to this place and orders a hamburger. Mm-hmm. And it's Dracula eating a hamburger. Mm-hmm. And in the early 80s, I think it was Toho did an animated like Marvel Dracula story. Yes, they did. There's a Tomb of Dracula movie that, uh, was it Toho or was it? Uh, oh, to- Toei. I think it was Toei. Toei. It was Toei. Yeah. Yes, yeah. That Toei did it. 
And they put that scene of Dracula eating a hamburger just before he goes out and beats up a bunch of thugs. Yeah. And 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 again, it's 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 kind of surreal. Mm-hmm. And and that's where that comes from. That yeah, that Marvel's Dracula did at one point eat a hamburger. Oh, jeez. Uh, okay. Yep. Because the Toei did uh, Tomb of Dracula, and they did a Frankenstein one too. Yeah, the Frankenstein one is messed up. Right. Well, yeah, they're Japanese from the seventies, so yeah, they're yeah. messed up. It it's good. I do recommend it. It kind of continues the part of the book that the uh, the original Boris Karloff movie didn't deal with. Mm-hmm. It kind of covers that because we we saw it back around high school. It was in like the kids section. Right. It should not be in the kids section. That's <laughs> well, an animated kids version of Frankenstein. How bad could it be? Yeah, except for like I think ten minutes in when the monster's stalking the doctor. The doctor sends one of his like dogs after it and the monster literally caves its head in and hangs it from the uh from a noose in front of the door. Right. So the doctor comes out and he's face to face with this split headed, bloody like German shepherd hanging. And there's a good close up of it, because again, like you said, it's a seventies Japanese cartoon, so Yep, yep. They were into some serious violence back then. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. It's it's not a kid show. But it it is entertaining. It's it it's mm. it's not bad, it's not good, it just kind of it's weird, so yeah, I haven't yeah. seen the Dracula one. I desperately want to see the Dracula one. Okay, it is kicking around. You might even be able to find it on YouTube. I'm gonna to have to do like a serious, yeah, but that's the kind of thing I'll watch over and over and over. I need to get my okay. own copy. Okay. <laughs> but the thing is, I suspect due to copyright reasons, I bet it's not in print. I bet you can't even get a DVD of it. Yeah, and 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 because it's it's Marvel's Dracula was popular. Mm-hmm. And then in the 80s, Marvel wiped out all the vampires. Yeah, there was some big event or something like that. And they, yeah, all the vampires got wiped off of the Marvel Universe. Yeah. For a while anyway. Yeah, because Doctor Strange got, was it, the Montessori formula? Mm-hmm. Which is this powerful spell that he casts and all the vampires on Earth get wiped out. And then like the Lost Boys and the emo vampire gets popular again. And Marvel's like, damn it! And slowly starts bringing back the vampires through the 90s. Yeah, yeah. Well, because in the 90s, they had uh, their, that was their dark hero era where we had Blade and uh, Ghost Rider and there were a couple other like basically vampire and monster hunter characters. Yeah, they did the Midnight Suns. They had their own team. The Midnight Suns, yeah. Yeah, the Midnight Suns. There we go. Them. I think, was it uh, the Son of Satan was one of them too? Yeah, well, him and and, uh, Patsy Walker have been wandering the Marvel Universe forever. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think they brought back uh, Werewolf by Night. Mm-hmm. Which, what, what was his name? It was Jack Terrier, I think was the the werewolf guy's name. It's a really bad pun like that. Yeah, yeah. And because Marvel's had, again, in the 70s when horror was popular again, Marvel did a bunch of different horror characters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because they technically had uh, two big vampires because uh, Hellstrom's half-sister Mm-hmm. Uh, Satana was portrayed as as well like a succubus, but more like a vampire, right? That she drained your life essence and stuff. Uh huh. Yeah. Sure. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Drain <laughs> your essence. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah. Okay. So would it be fair to say then that in the modern era there are basically three standard types of vampires the pharaoh vampire the uh classic classic vampire the lugosi version and the emo vampire 
I think you're technically right, but I think you really only get the emo vampire anymore. And I think it's been mm-hmm. like that for a while. But the other two types will be tacked on. I would say you do see the other two sometimes. I think the other two do. But you're right. I would agree that the emo is pretty much dominant because that's what all the fangirls want to see. Yeah, there's that. Because you mentioned like true blood. If they don't get the blood, they'll go feral. But the the thing is, yeah, but you're still a vampire mm-hmm. that has a day job and whines about your girlfriend. You're You're the emo vampire. That's true. Absolutely true. I mean, I think that classic vampires do pop up sometimes, but you're right. They're not as common as they used to be. They're all, I guess, because they're basically a parody of themselves at this point when they pop up. Yeah, because it, it... It's almost like they're considered the child-safe, friendly version of that character, of vampires. Yeah, I think you're right, because again, that's like old, and old stuff mm. is safe. Yeah. Because cause even then like the the newer versions like dracula's back in the marvel universe Mm -hmm, of course but he's a world warcraft character now what you haven't seen like you mean well because he's like big and muscular and he wears like fancy pseudo medieval DD style armor and he's got like a ponytail and stuff and right he doesn't wear a tuxedo anymore oh okay yeah he's basically a world warcraft character okay sure well, I guess they want to do something different with him, so all right, I guess. Yeah, huh. and you you kind of see that that prop up. Like if if he's the the Legosi vampire, he's going to be like the equivalent of an end boss in a video game. Yeah, yeah, I like can he, see that too. They're they're not suave anymore. They're they're just I will crush you all. Hmm. Okay. Sure. Great. Whatever. <laughs> yep. So, all right, so let's move on then. So, um, about vampires. One problem I have with vampires is when they're, when they're written, I don't think most people think of, think them through very much. There's only been one modern vampire story that I saw that I thought, yeah, okay, that's actually, that makes pretty much good sense, actually, which is was there was a recent take on vampires called The Strain. Oh, okay. With uh, Del Toro, and there was another guy who was involved. And they're basically, um, it was a movie series. Was it Stars? One of the movie channels, or one of the, the cable networks had it on. It ran for a few seasons. And that was an interesting take on vampires. Um, almost completely feral in that case. They, right. the, the vampire, well, they're a mix. They're a mix of the ghosty ones. In um, For those who haven't seen it, uh, what happens basically in The Strain is... I'm thinking about how much to tell without completely spoiling it. Uh, but the short version is this, is that there are these elder vampire characters. And then one of them basically says, screw it, I don't want to live with humans anymore. And um, decides to bring out basically a vampire apocalypse. And mm-hmm. that's 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 what's going on in the strain. Just kind of spoil some things. But that's basically what's happening. Now, how far he gets, well, you'll have to you know, watch the show or read the books and you can find out that way. Um, so there's that, but I was, uh, recently going through, uh, Salem's Lot, for example, uh, by uh-huh. Stephen King. And I have to say the vampire in that one was a pretty good example of what I would call, um, a vampire that rides the vampire short bus. <laughs> um, because I mean, he's an idiot. Like, he really is. And so a lot of these vampire characters are idiots. A lot of these master vampires are idiots. 
Um, I know they're idiots mostly because the the plot calls for it, and you know the whole idea is that they're kind they're meant to be kind of scary. But no, the Master of Vampire in Salem's Lot is pretty dumb, actually. And this is the thing that kind of threw me off going through the book. I without here it's forty year old spoilers. If you haven't read Salem's Lot by now, it's your own damn fault. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I, but I'll still won't give you specifics. But basically, there's a main town, and a vampire moves in. And he starts vampirizing the whole town. Like, it's kind of semi-isolated town, right? And he basically... It's it's the infection thing. So he starts and he infects a couple people and they infect more people. And before long, the whole town is basically vampires. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's that's the deal with Salem's Lot. If There's a little more to it than that, but you can read it. But, but the thing is... And this is what kind of both annoyed and kind of pissed me off reading the book. Okay? Is that... In the story, they're playing them as very classical vampires, fine, uh, by which I mean more Lugosi style and such. I mean, they, they're they afraid of crucifixes, the whole routine, right? Mm-hmm. And But the thing is, the master vampire is aware that the that if he infects people, they go off and infect other people, okay? Well, early on in the book, again, not a spoiler, you literally have a character look at one other character and go, you know, you don't shit where you eat. Well, guess what the vampire does? For an ancient being that's been supposedly around for hundreds of years, he literally shits where he eats. Like, I mean, he literally creates a whole bunch of vampires and lets them kind of run run amok. And what purpose does this serve for him? Mm-hmm. Like, literally, it's like, this would be like a, a farmer literally introducing a pack of wolves into his cattle herd and just watching them go, oh, that's pretty fun. It's like, wait, no, that's your food supply, dude. It's all dying, and you're not doing anything about it. Like, he's really, really stupid. And you can tell that King once, you know, proudly stated that he basically just makes his books up as he goes along. It's like, yeah, dude, we know. Because um, <laughs> while he is actually an amazing writer in terms of presentation, some stuff he does not think through as well as he should. And this is one of the reasons why some of King's books have a bit of a rep for having uh, not entirely well-thought-out endings, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, Salem Blood is actually very well written but just going through it the vampire drives me nuts because he's literally set himself up like there's all these small towns in this area of Maine right and they're all isolated with from each other and they literally make it clear that all the vampire has to do is set up in Salem's Lot and then every now and then he'll wander over to a nearby town you know pick off a few kids or local you know local girls or whatever and then maybe make sure they don't come back and wander back to his quote unquote castle and it's all good and he could continue living like this for god knows how long or satan knows how long basically mm. and it's perfectly fine but no this the idiot has to basically vampirize the entire freaking town <laughs> and does and he doesn't clean up after his mess at all. Mm-hmm. Like, it's stupid. It is so incredibly stupid. <laughs> like he is not like you would think that he would that this character who fully well realizes that if he if he bites people and they die, they become vampires, would actually clean up after himself. But he doesn't, not at all. <laughs> Sorry, that just pissed me off. It's well, like reading it reading it's like, okay, yeah, this is a good book, but the vampire's a freaking idiot. <laughs> Well, there's a catch to that, though. What? It ties... Maybe his brains have gotten addled over the years? Almost. Okay. It's another one of those things, and this comes up all the time, and I can't think of a term for it. Mm-hmm. For something that, once upon a time, there was a reason, 
but it became such the standard that everybody forgot the reason for it. And now you still do the thing, even though nobody knows why. Mm -hmm. Because it, it ties in. We're talking about this before uh, before the show. I was thinking of something similar with uh, the movie Van Helsing. Right. Where Dracula's plan, again, 20-year-old spoiler alert, is to fill the world with his vampire minions. Yeah. Well, it doesn't make any sense, because what are you going to feed them all? That's exactly right. But and what, that's, again, what's happening in Salem's Lot. Um, dude, these vampires are just going to spread to the other towns, and eventually we're going to have a vampire apocalypse, and there's going to be no food. Yep, but we have to remember, mm-hmm. ultimately, what vampirism is supposed to be. Right. It's a curse. That's true. If you go back to olden times, it's like uh, it, it's it's the agents of the devil working their evil magic on Earth. Mm-hmm. So a vampire doesn't think about that, or they're they're forced to propagate. They're forced to create more more progeny. To mm-hmm. the the story usually being that. In feeding, they eventually kill you off, and then when when it, it you die, you come back as a vampire. Mm-hmm. So they, in theory, have to kill to feed. It's part of what makes them evil, right? But there's also this compulsion to spread the curse. That that's part right. of a van- at least inherently that was originally part of vampirism, right? That again, the strain actually actually had a solution for that. Mm-hmm. which is one of the better ones that I actually I, that I saw and I thought you know that actually makes perfect sense the strain is not that great but it does have but he, it's some, some nifty ideas Del Toro is not a dumb guy um, where basically no there are vampire hunters who are they sponsored by they're sponsored by the elder vampires mm-hmm. so the vampire hunters that exist in that setting are they're humans there are, there are vampire hunting humans and their organizations and everything, but they're being sponsored by the vampires as a way for the vampires to clean up their own messes. Mm-hmm. They're basically using these humans who don't realize they're working for vampires to actually clean up their messes. Actually, I think in the strain, they some they do know they're working for vampires. But but the key point is that, yeah, so we so we have vampire hunters, but they're really just serving the purposes of the vampires. And by it's a way to prevent their own destruction, basically. It's a balanced right. thing. Right. Which I thought was kind of neat, actually. I think that's actually a good take on it because they've got to, even though it's the curse, even though that if they're these incredibly intelligent immortal beings, you would think that they must have figured out a way to prevent them, prevent it from just spreading and from killing their entire food source. You you might, but again, it's, it's that idea when you go to the older stories, mm-hmm. vampires aren't a thing. They're a guy. Yeah. And it, it doesn't become an issue and they kind of occasionally pay pay sort of a little bit of a hand waving acknowledgement of that because mm-hmm. that was the idea that they they would show like again the brides of dracula that mm-hmm. the greater vampires would create lesser ones because they were their thralls yeah yeah and because it was a guy it wasn't that big a problem it's not until you get into like say the 70s and and you start getting that sympathetic vampire Mm -hmm. that you get what Anne rice adds to it is the idea that vampires have been around for a while and they have their own society Mm -hmm. and that's when that question starts coming up because that's when you start going like even the uh the van helsing tapes it's just Mm -hmm. dracula right i don't recall them referencing too many other vampires and they all trace them back to dracula yeah 
and there's a lot of stories that that do that that there seems to just be one vampire in the universe so it's it's a relatively modern phenomenon to have to deal with that right but sort of but as you point but here in the original dracula he actually turns mina into a vampire she comes back as a vampire as well mina harker if i remember yeah. right or is it lucy Oh, no, it's Lucy, Lucy that does. Comes, it's Lucy that becomes the vampire. Sorry, it's been a while. Yeah. Um, but Lucy, so no, even there, he knows that he's he's creating progeny. He's mm. actually spreading the vampirism, and he is aware of this, but he doesn't, it, in Dracula, it's hard to say. It almost seems like more like he's just creating brides where he goes, and it's intended for her to kind of follow him around and such. But if I remember it, they, they kill Lucy before she can go anywhere or do anything. Yeah, she does transform Oh, that's and, right, because she's eating local kids. Yeah, and they're they're as I recall, I don't think they're coming back. Because Dracula sort of implies that it's it's willful that he's mm-hmm. turning you into a vampire on purpose. Yeah, he's definitely doing it to Lucy, but I think there's there's a line or something that comes up just before her transformation that it's for him it's a willful act. Right, yeah, he's doing it on purpose, whereas the kids she's killing aren't coming back as vampires. Yeah, I don't think they are, because I think she's like kind of just like ripping them apart and feeding on them. That she's almost feral. She kind of slips in and out of it. Right, yeah. Yeah, so we've got Lucy there. So, I mean, and if that's the case where they have to willfully do it, then that's perfectly reasonable, because, again, they're not doesn't mean that everybody they kill is being turned into a vampire, but if you... If you have that situation where everyone they kill is turning into a vampire, you've you've got a plague situation on your hands. They're like zombies at that point. Yeah, and, and a lot of older versions of them in that, they were. Mm. That was uh, the original chill role-playing game when they did their vampire book. Right. Which is one of the best treatises on vampires in general I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, they refer to the Macedonian vampire. Okay. And that's what the Macedonian vampire does. It's it's basically your feral vampire and they spread out of control. Right. Cuz the the setup and the 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 types of vampire in the vampire book, they're written up like reports that people are doing. Mm-hmm. And they talk about going to this island that everybody's abandoned and it's cuz it's literally overrun by vampires. Right, yeah. That they can't well, they can't get off the island. Mhm. But anybody who goes there, you're just done because as soon as the sun goes down, hundreds of these things come out of nowhere to get you. Right. And they're probably burying themselves underground because that's what a lot of those, the feral vampires, it's not, they just hide wherever they can away from the sun. Yeah. And they just pop up when the sun goes down. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's that's pretty scary. I, you know, good, good, good points on that one. Yeah. And, but that's the thing, right? If you have a situation like that, you, it's... It's hard to believe that unless someone's actively dealing with these things, that they wouldn't just overrun the earth really, really quickly. The humanity isn't just screwed. It is. And and again, it wasn't really something that somebody thought about because the older versions in, in literature either didn't create mm-hmm. progeny or they had to do it intentionally. Right. And when you added this idea of vampirism as like a disease and that it can it can be spread. Mm. Because of everybody was just still modeling in the old stories, nobody gave that a lot of thought. Yeah. And it's not until someone points it out that now it becomes a thing. Yeah, well, and it is something that you have to take into account. As as you said, Van Helsing, Salem's Lot, whatever. It's like 
yeah, if these guys are smart at all, they're not going to be doing this. This is just a really bad idea. Mm-hmm. One interesting take I have seen, though, uh, other take is Vampire Hunter D, which is another personal favorite of mine. Right. Uh, which was a, a novel series from Japan. And also uh, there's a couple of Vampire Hunter D movies, which are really good. If you ever get the chance, they're animated films. And in Vampire Hunter D, what's kind of interesting is, is that that's exactly what happened. The vampires took over. He, they, Dracula basically caused a vampire apocalypse. But the vamp, but the Lord vampires realized that they were going to run out of food, and so they actually preserved the last of humanity, mm-hmm. and they basically, and they called their own kind, and basically reshaped the world into this kind of like vampire, um, dr- vampire. I don't know what to, how to describe it. The world basically became ruled by this elite group of vampires that basically all had their own kingdoms and such that the kingdoms mostly being inhabited by humans because it's their food supply they were basically farms right yeah and so these vampires basically took over and they once they had their animalistic side satisfied they actually went on to create this great super advanced scientific civilization that rose and fell until the great vampires most of them eventually either left for space or eventually just kind of committed suicide or faded out because immortality got them, basically. Mm-hmm. They were destroyed by their own immortality. And then in Vampire Hunter D, D is basically going around killing off the last of them. Mm-hmm. Although a lot of what he's hunting in Vampire Hunter D isn't usually vampires. There are actually uh, other uh, creatures or things that are left over from the vampire era, for the most yeah. part. Yeah, because D is post-apocalypse. Yeah, it's a post-apocalyptic, but it's post-apocalypse the vampire civilization, not our civilization. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what makes it kind of quirky and interesting. And the setting is astoundingly deadly. Mm-hmm. You get the impression, that, in fact, I think they might even mention some of this effect, where in this, the vampires didn't want their human cattle wandering too much, so they basically filled the wilderness with incredibly dangerous monsters and creatures. Mm-hmm. And when I say incredibly dangerous, I mean super dangerous. Like a normal human wandering in will, like even if you go enter a mist, that mist may be clouds of like tiny pixies that will go in and explode your brain. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's the kind of thing that it's like, oh, it's mist. Oh, it smells really nice and bleh, and you're dead. <laughs> um, and then there's other creatures that like basically create dimensional pockets and will suck you into them and basically feed and then feed on you. And it's all really, really nasty. Really, really nasty stuff. But D is um, the half-progeny of uh, Dracula, the original sire. So he's, like, super powerful. And so that's one of the reasons why he can kind of just wander through and go from place to place. Yeah. Um, and humanity in general is slowly starting to reorganize and become a civilization again. But it's 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 they're neat. The Vampire Hunter D novels, I highly recommend if you get the chance. Mm-hmm. And the movies, if you're lazy, go for those because those are awesome too. There's just, there's two of them. There's Bloodlust and the original, and they're both great films, though. Yeah. They really are. Really creepy, atmospheric, fun, fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, especially the second one, Bloodlust. I think it's Bloodlust? Yeah, I think it's Bloodlust. Yeah. In, in English, anyway. Anyway, so that's my rant about vampires, about how I just, yeah, they. <laughs> I don't think people think them through well enough, or at least don't think the about the consequences of these kind of beings wandering around. Except, uh, oddly enough, a lot of the more evil vampires do think about that. In those settings, to make they have to actively make you a vampire by having you drink their blood most of the time. 
Mm-hmm. That's kind of the new standard, right? They can kill all the people they want. They won't become vampires because they have to drink the vampire's blood to become a vampire. Yeah, I don't think that's new, though. I think that might have actually been in Dracula. Really? Okay. Like, I know that goes that goes back... Like, everybody knows it because of the Lost Boys. Yeah, yeah. And the 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 vampire uh, role-playing game. Yeah, but I, and Buffy. I, it's, it's true in Buffy, if I remember right, too. I think it is, anyway, yeah. But I do think it goes back... I do think... It might be in Dracula. It might be that was the, the thing I'm trying to remember about... Uh, just before Lucy turns, that there's there's a reference to something. Oh, you're right. I think she does drink his blood. Yeah, and because I think doesn't she give a speech or something about what dying was like, and she mentions that. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. So actually, that does go back and see that. There we go. So as you said, it's a willful act. They have to create progeny. Yeah. Which okay, fine, no problem. But when you have them doing it indiscriminately, it causes huge problems for them. Yeah, it, and so, it would. Mm, but it it's yep. the it's the same kind of thing though when you 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 think to a lot of your high concept nerdly entertainment. Mm-hmm. People don't think through a lot of stuff. I mean, yes, I you're right, and I'm kind of overthinking it. I mean, most supervillains have no idea what they do if they actually conquered the world and how that's even feasible, right? And I just kind of accept it in comic books. Yeah, and, and, and not just that, but I mean, okay, so the Joker robs the bank, gets a million dollars. Where's he going to spend it? That's a good point. He's going to go to, like, you know, Burger King. I'd like a Whopper! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you look familiar! <laughs> I was on TV hosting the match game. <laughs> oh, that could be it. That could be it. Like, yeah, that's true. Okay, good point, good point. Or my favorite is when you see the guy who has, like, the the giant mechanical claw for one arm and the machine gun on the other. How does he wipe? <laughs> I know. Who ties his shoes? now that I wonder that, too. Yeah, Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's all this kind of stuff because there's, like, a, a conceptual inertia that kicks in and you just always do it. And people don't think about it until somebody stops and goes, hey, wait, no, um... What about, and then that creates a whole new thing, and then everything goes in that direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm, I'm with you. That's, uh, that's true. So in a lot of ways, yeah, not thinking through vampirism is, is a, just an ism that we kind of often accept rather than actually think through the consequences, because, you know, that would kill a lot of the fun. Well, that, and I think vampires are one of the types of monster... Mm-hmm. that style supersedes substance. Okay. That, How so? Well, whenever you think of a vampire, like if you think of a classic vampire, you're thinking of, yeah, the guy in the tuxedo with the cape and mm-hmm. the Romanian accent. Yeah. If if I'm thinking of a modern vampire, I'm thinking of like a skinny emo kid who goes on about very little of the practicality is ever part of the story. Mm. Whereas if you take something like the semi-related zombie story, mm-hmm. the who, what's, and why's of zombies is always a big part of the story. Right. The mechanics are a big part of the, how it transmits comes up in the story. How you put right. them down comes up. Everybody knows, like, you know, you aim for the head. Mm-hmm. Hell, there's a song about it. The, yeah. It, it's a big part of the story when you talk about, um, like, a golem. Mm-hmm. like a like a frankenstein or or the mad scientist robot 
the creation of the monster is always a big part of the story. Mm-hmm. Whereas with the vampire, it's just, you know, always them schmoozing and whining about their existence and complaining about their girlfriend. The origin really doesn't matter how it works. It only matters if it's going to be part of explaining away why being a vampire isn't that bad. And then post-Twilight, nobody even bothers doing that. Yeah, yeah, and you just sparkle in daylight now. I guess that's true, although Twilight vampires, I would still say, are just emo vampires. They are, but they're they're, they're Anne, Anne Rice minus, because they they pay sort of lip service to things. Like, mm-hmm. there, there was a scene in, in, like, the first movie where he's like, I could have, like, eaten you. Okay. And, and then it goes away. It just doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. You know, hung- we get in the way of the teen romance and drama. Yeah. Hungry Eddie eyes his girlfriend the first time he brings her over, and like the doc vampire's like, No, bad vampire, bad. Oh, I'm sorry, okay. And then that's the end of it. It just really, it's there. They kind of mention it once in a while, but it doesn't really matter because mm-hmm. it's more about, yeah, being like sparkly and suave and empty than it is really the vampire part. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I, well, they're not monsters at that point. Not at all, really. They're just, like, tortured mentally or physically ill humans, basically. They're, they're the X-Men who wear more black. That's what they yeah. are. Yeah, but, true, true. Because even then, the first really good analysis of vampires I ever saw was the uh, the chill supplement. Mm-hmm. And it was because the, the, the folks who wrote it, I, I can't remember who it was, and it's way on the other side of the room at the moment... But they wrote it with the idea they weren't going to reinvent the vampire. They they kept all the old tropes, all the old shticks, well, all the old chill. Yeah, yeah. But they explained it, and there's the the opening section where they're discussing like the psychology of the vampire is brilliant because they get at all of the stuff we've been talking about. Okay, hmm. like that's where the idea of why do they keep making more? Well, because it's a curse. The first time I saw it was back when I was a kid and I read it because there's a section called uh, Lust Without Love. Okay. And they talk about it, that that was their explanation as to why vampires make other vampires. It's because either they'll meet somebody who catches their fancy Mm -hmm. and this is as close to a relationship as they can get because a vampire is an entirely selfish organism. Everything it does is to perpetuate itself. So that's why they'll turn people, but then they'll kind of lose interest in them because they're not a challenge. They're not satisfying that predatory instinct. After a bit, they get kind of dull, especially if you're both living forever. Mm -hmm. That idea of, of procreating, of creating more of your progeny is seen as making more of yourself, especially because the progeny is usually enthralled to the master vampire. Mm hmm. But again, there's no connection and there's no real consideration to that idea that what if I make too many and they eat everybody? There's no consideration of that because that's too far outside themselves. Like the 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 best they can do is, well, I'll just find more people to eat somewhere. The idea that they run out doesn't register because they're like going to the store for cookies. It doesn't, there's no concept of what it takes to make a human kind of thing Right, anymore. right, yeah. That they've lost even that, awareness of more mortality that that's they're truly an alien thing and i thought that was great and then certainly after that comes the Anne race mopey vampire and i'm like this is terrible 
But right. now, when you say chill vampire, are you referring to like the uh, the original chill, or is this a one uh, supplement that came later? Uh, like, because there's one that's on Drive Through RPG that's marked as being from 2005, or at least the correction that's when the file was last updated. And it's um, let's see, they did it for the original. They redid it for second edition. It's basically the same book. They just changed the the stats. Okay. And I don't know if I don't know much about third edition, but the one I've read is first and second. I think this is it. I think this the one that's on Drive to RPG is from second one. The one note here under reviews it says Chill Vampires is the standard to which all vampire related supplements to any horror game must be measured. That sounds like what you're talking about. It is. It's a master thesis on combating the undead. Well, and, and the undead themselves, like I said, yeah, they did the shtick. They didn't want to reinvent it. They just wanted to validate it, and they mm. tied it all in. And like I said, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. So if you're a vampire avocado, this sounds like a good book to read. And right now, the Watermark PDF is only $5.99 at drive through RPG. Yeah, and, and plus, too, it's very little game stats. Mm. Like, okay. there's there's, I think, like 10 different vampires in it. Dracula, the, the Alpine Vampire, the Vampire Ninja, and eight other vampires. Yep. And the the actual game stuff is just one page of stats at the end of each chapter. The rest of it, it's all prose. Right. Hmm, that's pretty cool. It is, and like I said, it's it's a really it's really well done, really well thought out, makes a lot of other vampire stuff seem really stupid and irritating. Mm-hmm. But that, again, that's, and I know we've talked about it before, that's one of the nice things about say a role-playing game right is you have to completely conceptualize anything you add to it Mm -hmm. so that's why i can totally see the game a game book being the first and bestest treaty on the subject because it has to be because when you run a vampire character especially because chill is a very it's not a combat oriented game every Mm -hmm. encounter is supposed to be like an encounter right you would need to put yourself in the head of a vampire and that's what they do they they explain a lot of again the stupid shit that they do Mm -hmm. okay and why they do that stupid shit yeah because another i can think of two other good examples for vampires Mm -hmm. about that where somebody took the the goofy stuff and really made good use of it Mm mm-hmm because one of them is if you've ever seen any of the uh, Count Yorga movies. No, I have not. The, I know of them, but yeah, go. They're almost parody. They're done in like the early and mid 70s. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of an attempt to update the uh, the vampire legend to the 70s. Right. Which is it's kind of, in retro, it's kind of funny, but they did it. They did it really well in the one movie. My favorite part. Is Yorga shows up and and the typical mysterious deaths happen, mm-hmm. and the two main characters, like two hero guys, get together. And this isn't like the first like half hour, twenty minutes of the film, mm-hmm. and they're like all of this stuff looks like a vampire, and it started after this Yorga guy showed up. Obviously, Yorga's a vampire. Let's go deal with him, right? And they 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 use the legend of hospitality. Mm-hmm that vampires coming out of like eastern europe if there was eastern european that you can't right turn down somebody's request for for like aid or that right 
It's the the oh the, the something of the traveler. Uh, I I know what you're talking about. You're talking about where they have to where uh, you have to invite vampires in, basically. Well, and that's part of it, but it's also the idea that like if I'm at home and a weary traveler shows up, I I can't like chase them away. Right. I, I have to offer them repast and and such. Right. And what they do is they go to Yorga's house and they they talk with them. Mm-hmm. And they're shooting the shit and stuff. And eventually Yorga's like, I should call it an, an evening. It's it's getting late and I'm getting tired. And they're like, well, no, I'm fascinated by this. We must continue. And he can't break off the conversation. He can't be rude. Right. And they tell him, like, when they do this, and he's like, you know, but I'm an old man. I need my rest. And they're like, no, you're a vampire. And we know your tradition means you can't just shoo us away. So we're going to keep you talking till the sun comes up and you die. They tell him that like right off the cuff. And you're like, oh my God. Nobody's... Right? And it's basically these three people having this bland, empty conversation while hating each other underneath it, trying to find a way to like with Yorga, trying to find a polite way to excuse himself. Cause the second he gets away, they're fucked. Right. Oh my god. And that's the whole movie? No, that's part of the movie. That's okay. just part of it. It's they're really good cuz it it's all stuff like that. It's it's they're really weird. There's two of them. Mm-hmm. And I do they're very 70s so you can't expect like CGI effects and shit. But if you're okay with that, I recommend both. They're entertaining. Right. And then the other brilliant take of the vampire is uh Count von Count. You mean the character from Sesame Street? Yes. Okay, how so? Because he is the classical vampire. Do you know why he counts things? He has OCD? That's right. Old vampires had OCD. What was a good way to get a vampire <laughs> to stop chasing you in Eastern Europe? What would they tell oh, you to do? Did you throw down a handful of rice or something and they had to stop and count it? Yep. Yes. Because old, old vampires. Oh my God, you're right. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. People don't realize that that's part of, of that's, that's where that comes from. That was why they did that. It's, it's a, it's a really deep cut 300 year old in joke. (laughs) Oh my God. And I wonder if the creators of Sesame Street knew that when they set him up like that. I would totally bet they did. Yeah. You're probably right. Yeah. Because didn't you used to scatter rice in front of your doorway or something like that because the vampire would have to stand there and count it all before he could come in yep and i think in some places that was the idea with salt that they that you'd scatter right. salt mm-hmm. which goes from the older legend that salt acts as a barrier because it's a purifier mm-hmm. but i think it came it was ah uh, because it was was it around hungary mm-hmm. that that was where the idea of the vampires have ocd and that's why they obsessively follow manners and stuff oh okay and then that's an idea that comes back later when you get to the uh, White Wolf vampire role-playing game. Mm-hmm. That part of the reason why vampires like the the senior ones are so out of touch is that their brains calcify. Right. That at certain points, and this is why they get weird, they have this weird, they describe it that their brain hardens. They can't really learn things anymore. Mm-hmm. They get stuck in the past. Uh, some of them enter into this weird, almost like dreamlike state where real- they start losing their touch at reality. Mm-hmm. But that explains a lot of these other behaviors that they become obsessive about like old traditions and that because it's it's part of themselves to hang on to. Right. 
and it's comforting because it reminds them of the old times. And in some cases, they just can't not do that because their brain gets the needle gets stuck in that particular groove, and they can't wow. not do that. So they have immortality, Alzheimer's, basically. They just like yeah, they're screwed. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that that that's what it is. Is that they 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 lose that ability to process things, and that's one of the reasons why in the White Wolf game they make progeny. Mm-hmm. That they would hold the younger vampires in thrall, and the younger vampires become their face because they the like nobody sees the ancients anymore, mm-hmm. and it's because they're so withdrawn that they act through their minions, and then their minions get old and they make minions, right? And that's why you have new vampires because this is the only way they can really interact with the world is is through people who are more of the current time. And so there's layer after layer after layer of minion vampires between the current guys in charge and the ancient ones. Yep. And in, huh. a, way, and in a way, it explains the old legends that that's why vampires get the OCD in that is because part of their brains stop working quite right. Right. Well, that's true. They're definitely ill in many ways. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Huh. Okay. Yep. That That makes an odd sort of sense. I mean... People like you have definitely thought this through. Well, I I grew up like everybody in my family was into legends and stuff mm-hmm. yeah. to the point that I had like great uncles and aunts and great grandparents and that that would talk about this stuff like it was real. So I I don't right. know if they were just trying to scare the little kid or if they really my grandfather believed a lot of this stuff. Really? Yeah, that's that's why he uh, he was a convert to Catholicism because he thought the devil was after him. Like in person. Okay. So. <laughs> that, I'm sure that, that's a great story for another time, I think. <laughs> well, when um, we do our, our, our Demons and Devils episode. Okay, there we go. Actually, I think that's probably a good place to actually leave it, I think, at this point. we um, Anything else you want to say about vampires? Yeah, I think for purposes of our show, because this is, this again is one of those episodes you can go you could take like dracula and do like a whole dracula episode oh absolutely yeah definitely like, like you mentioned in passing elizabeth Bathory. Mm-hmm. that's a whole other story and then all of the legends that came out of her created other things right because she was the one she didn't drink your blood she like bathed in the blood of like young women it. and that's Wasn't what she real she was a real person she was yeah. a countess yeah but that idea of like bathing in the blood of the young and such Mm-hmm. that's a whole other strain of monster that that's that's a type of vampire but it becomes its own thing because right there's all kinds of stories about about that about feeding and some of them get into early science fiction right so yeah there's there's that we 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 only kind of hinted at some of the uh the non-western european types of vampire mm-hmm. holy crap that's a whole other kettle of fish oh yeah yeah there's there's a lot more um, that that's one of the things about the role playing game Nightlife. Uh, mm. It it just has actually I think there's a whole book of pretty much just vampires and it's just, there's so friggin' many of them and yep. these different types and they all have different rules to go with them etc. Yeah, there's a lot of legends there. But actually, well, let's cover one last thing before we go today, which okay. is okay. So, what do you think the future is for vampires? Then I mean, as fictional characters, of course, not as real beings. Um, do you think in pop culture vampires will change again in the future to represent something else? Maybe. When you say what do you make of the future, I'm reminded of an old 2000 AD story. 
Oh, I knew you were going to go there. Okay, just <laughs> why didn't you yeah. tell it? Go ahead. Well, no, it's it's the one where uh, it's it's this new uh, like colony ship heading out into space to establish a colony as far off planet. And one of the guys mm-hmm. on the spaceship is a werewolf. And he's like, it's a whole ship full of victims. Wahaha. And he goes to attack a guy and that guy turns into a werewolf. And he's like, oh, well, there's two of us. We can split them. Ha ha. And they find out everybody on the ship is a werewolf. Because yep. the plan was to fire them into the sun. And the last page of the story is the two guys who came up with it going, our plan worked perfectly. Have we started phase two? And you see like this lineup at the, the spaceport. And it's all these guys in like tuxedos and such all lined up. And the guy in the front is going, uh, the name Alucard. And I thought that was, yeah, that's. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, yeah. We, we know the future for vampires is that they're all going to be fired into the sun. But <laughs> Good, good times, good times. <laughs> And yeah, there we go. I mean, I think, well, we're going to get a whole lot more emo vampires. I don't think that's going away anytime soon. It's just too popular and too successful. And of course, there's uh, some anime takes on vampires where they're usually like, um, they look like, you know, 12 year old girls, but are really like 900 years old and have like, and have anyway, whatever. Mm. Suck your bodily fluids. Um, And so I'm not. I think vampires will continue to be part of pop culture, but in a weird way, I think they'll continue to be more and more uh, safe. Mm-hmm. Like I do, I every now and then there'll be revivals of you know actual badass you know creepy vampires and such. Who knows? There's a new Blade movie coming out in a year or so, but maybe that'll be like that. Um, but overall, I think vampires have been so absorbed into pop culture that they're not really a scary phenomenon anymore. They're not really. Um, a terror of the night anymore as as we see them except in occasional versions like blade or maybe the strain as i mentioned earlier yeah i i think what happened is sometime in the 80s the vampire and the werewolf traded places mm-hmm. and this can set up a future show because the vampire used to represent like we were saying the other the foreigner mm-hmm. the strange whereas the werewolf at one point came to represent the beast that was within all of us mm-hmm. that any of us could turn into like a, a horrible beast, even if we said our prayers at night. Mm-hmm. And, and I think they switched that went with the dawning of the emo vampire, the vampire no longer represents the fear of the foreign. The vampire mm-hmm. represents the fear of ourself. Oh, okay. Cause that's what the emo vampires are. They, they don't fit in. Mm hmm. Uh, they have these miraculous abilities, but those abilities keep them apart from everyone. And those abilities, like being kept apart from others is the price you pay. So, yeah, they're the X-Men, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah, they fulfill that role because if I, you're an alienated youth, you of course think you're awesome and nobody recognizes your genius. And that's what the vampires has become. Mm, true, true. And I think that that's why, like you say, they've become safer because they're a more personal horror. Mm. They're not the plague that sweeps upon your town. They're puberty. <laughs> well, pretty much. Although I would argue the majority of vampire stories being produced are probably for uh, paranormal romance. Where every you know cool detective chick has a vampire boyfriend and usually another werewolf boyfriend who hate each other. Well, yeah. um, and <laughs> Or some variation thereof. Like they're just a standard. Like... 
you know, if romance novels of one kind or another. And again, not going anywhere anytime soon because they still sell like hotcakes. Yeah, and, and that's the other side of it because, like, my my romantic, like, lead partner vampire, like, is so aloof and, and apart, but my love is what will finally, like, bring them out and bring them hat and blah, blah. It's the... Exactly. It's, it's puberty. Vampires are now yeah. puberty. Well, sort of. No, they're the tortured <laughs> male that the female lead must rescue mm-hmm. and uh, save with her love from his bestial side. Yeah. They're which, the beast that goes along with beauty. Yeah, which used to be the werewolf, but then they've traded places that the werewolf is the other now. Right. That's true. Poor Jacob. Anyway. <laughs> um so anyway, folks, uh, drop by ObeyTheDNA.com for show notes and also to let us know about your thoughts on vampires. Hmm. Uh, let us know what your favorite vampire movies are, what your ver- favorite vampire stories are. What did we miss? What could we have covered better? Drop by ObeyTheDNA.com and let us know. Hmm. Until then, thanks for listening and uh, sleep well. And remember, don't let the vampires bite. <laughs> yeah, vampires suck. Thanks for listening to the show. If you'd like to hear more or join the conversation, come visit us at ObeyTheDNA.com. You can also find us on iTunes or whatever fine podcast site forgot to lock their back door. So until next time, remember that to master the nerdly arts takes time, practice, and enough Coca-Cola to drop a rhino. See ya! See ya!